Hello, it is Ryan, and we could all use an extra bright spot in our day, couldn't we? Just to make up for things like sitting in traffic, doing the dishes, counting your steps, you know, all the mundane stuff. That is why I'm such a big fan of Chumba Casino. Chumba Casino has all your favorite social casino-style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere with daily bonuses. That should brighten your day a little. Actually, a lot. So sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. That's ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. BTW. Void. We're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus. From API, this is Energy Tomorrow Radio, your source for information and conversation about the most important energy issues of the day. Welcome to Energy Tomorrow Radio. I'm your host, Jane Van Ryan. With the American people continuing to wrestle with high gasoline prices and in many ways changing their behavior by driving less, energy demand is taking a dip, at least for now. Wendell Cox, independent consultant working with API and principal of Demographia, an international public policy firm in St. Louis, says demand for energy will rise and we'll need all the energy we can get to meet demand in the years to come. Recently, he's been taking a hard look at the various energy trends and claims that they provide some surprising perspectives. Welcome, Wendell. I'm happy to be with you. Glad you could join us today. Wendell, throughout your career, you followed trends in transportation, urban policy, and in demographics. And now you've made some interesting and perhaps even controversial remarks about energy demand. First of all, you've said that consuming energy is not necessarily a bad thing. Why? Well, it's the difference between a modern, uh, comfortable lifestyle and a lifestyle that's not at all comfortable. Energy is critical to the advancement that we have made in our lifestyles, in our quality of life. It has made modern lifestyles possible. It has, uh, energy has made it possible to reduce poverty in the first world nations to unprecedentedly low levels. And not surprisingly, energy is the principal mechanism by which people in places like China and India and beyond look to try to improve their lives as they seek to live as well as we live. Well, and and along those lines, you've also noted that the United States has made some tremendous strides in energy efficiency and conservation. But you've said we can't save our way out of the current energy dilemma. Now, why do you say that? Well, first of all, uh, everyone should uh, recognize the importance of conservation and energy efficiency, and we all ought to be conserving as much as we can. However, the reality of the situation is we live in a fast-growing country. Uh, Over the next 25 years, uh, we're going to add more than 60 million new people in this country. Uh, That's equal to the population of France. And so just the population increase alone is going to be sufficient to create uh, incredible amounts of new demand for energy. Well, what trends have you identified in addition to population growth here in the U.S. that make you believe that Americans are going to need more energy in the future? Well, uh, the fact is everybody wants to live better. We do not have everyone that we need uh, risen out of poverty yet. And so those factors will continue to increase the demand for energy. I mean, you can look at things like the fact that our houses have gone from 1,500 square feet in 1970 to 2,500 square feet today, our new houses. You can look at the fact that uh, on average, believe it or not, uh, we all have something on the order of 25 appliances. You know, small electronic appliances, things like iPods, uh, personal computers and the like, all of those things increase the demand 
for, uh, for, for energy. The new uh, HDTVs that we're putting into our houses, believe it or not, consume more energy. You know, the expansion of, um, of, of, of the small electronics, one might think of as the uh, best buy effect. Uh, at the same time, on the other side of the coin, you have what we call the Google effect. The Google effect is the rapid expansion of information technology, data processing, and computers. We can see this just by looking at uh, uh, Google, which in many ways is the market leader of the IT industry at the moment. Uh, in, in just this decade, uh, uh, Google has gone from a situation where it had less than 1,000 servers to more than a million today. So the information technology revolution is adding also to demand, to demand very substantially. But there continues to be an expectation in America today that we're going to be able to reduce energy demand because people should and will change their behaviors. What do you think about that? Well, for the most part, anybody that looks at history knows that attempts to make people change their behavior generally fail and, and, and oftentimes make things worse. This is where the rhetoric uh, and, and the reality sort of diverge. Um, nobody that I know of is prepared to go back and live like we lived 20 years ago or 30 years ago or 50 years ago, much less 100 years ago. I mean, all of the world would like to live like we do now. We can look at the best uh, projections that are made by experts around the world. You know, the United States Department of Energy. We can look at the, the OECD, which is the organization to which all of the first world nations uh, and Mexico belong and probably the most important and most influential economic organization in, world, in the world. The Department of Energy tells us that over the next quarter century, we will see U.S. energy demand increase by 19%. At the same time, we will have world energy demand increase by 55%. So the demand for energy is going to continue to uh, increase uh, very strongly and, and just presuming somehow that everybody is going to be prepared to go back to a more modest lifestyle may make good press, it may make good rhetoric, but it is not reality. Well, we've read a lot and seen a lot about how energy demand is intensifying in China and India, for example, but you expect it to grow elsewhere as well? Well, first of all, we're only, in my view, beginning to see the increases that will occur in the long run in places like China and India. I mean, think about the fact that China and India both today have a majority of their population still living in rural areas, which, by the way, we had uh, back in 1900. Over the next 25 years, we anticipate something like 350 million people will move to Chinese urban areas off, as it were, the farm. 350 million people is about as many people as the United States is going to have in 2030. And, and, and the increases that we see out of China are going to be replicated in India. And believe it or not, the less developed world outside China and, and, and India is even bigger. Now, it's not moving as quickly as China and India, but you're going to see the same thing. I mean, countries like Vietnam are following in the footsteps of China, maybe 20 years behind. We have the middle-income countries like Mexico, Brazil, and Russia that are making great strides. And following all of that, we've got the huge areas of places like sub-Saharan Africa, where population uh, growth is much greater than the rest of the world. And the energy demand isn't going up much there yet, but you can bet it's going to in the future. 
Well, won't the production of some new alternative or renewable energy sources help? Uh, won't they be able to help meet the future energy demand? They are going to be crucial. We must have the research and development efforts underway to, to find alternative sources of fuel. Uh, there's no question uh, about how important that is. However, I think oftentimes people are misled into believing that there will be some magic bullet uh, arrive at the doorstep, as it were, tomorrow, and, and that we will not need our conventional sources anymore. In fact, again, the people who know the most about energy demand in the world, organizations like the U.S. Department of Energy and the OECD, tell us that the principal sources of, of energy uh, over the next quarter century are going to continue to be conventional that while there will be a tripling of uh, renewables, biofuels, uh, those kinds of things, uh, they are starting from such a small base that their overall contribution will continue to be small, e even up to 2030. So where do you think all this additional energy is going to come from? Will it be traditional fuels? Oh, it has to be. And I think we have to start with a recognition that there is plenty of those traditional or conventional fuels uh, that we can use until the day that uh, that the alternative fuels perhaps uh, redeem some of the promise that we'd all like to think they will in the very long run. But there's plenty of oil, plenty of coal, natural gas. We can develop hydro more. We certainly have the potential to develop much more in the way of nuclear energy. The point is it is going to be necessary to develop these energy sources uh, which are available in order for us to be able to continue our comfortable lifestyles and for those who would like to replicate our lifestyles to do that. Well, let's talk about the U.S. again for a moment then. Now, the U.S., as you know, is competing for energy supplies all over the world right now. What do you think the government or the, our nation should do to prepare for this energy future? Well, again, I, I think we need to recognize that uh, we are really one world with respect uh, to energy, with respect to a lot of uh, other things, too. But it is a world market, and, and our uh, producers and refiners uh, have got to compete on world markets. And that means, among other things, that we're just going to have to do a better job than we've done in recent decades in making the vast amount of energy that is available in the United States available to uh, the people who need to use it, that being we who live in the United States. We have much of the supply of the, in the United States that is off-limit to, to, uh, to production. We have approval processes that take far too long so that when we run into difficulties with energy, we can't fix the problem overnight. Now, that doesn't mean that we should go uh, out and, and try to develop uh, new sources of energy, that is, you know, more oil uh, wells and, and, and natural gas fields and coal mines and, and hydro and nuclear, that we should do that in, in anything but the most disciplined and the safest way. And, and we can do that. But we need to move forward. And, of course, crucial to all of this is going to be for Congress uh, to recognize the importance of opening up uh, the available resources that exist in the United States so that this production can be undertaken. Wendell, you've outlined a number of challenges that we have when it comes to energy. So what do we do now? What's the first thing we do? Well, I think we need to start with the recognition that energy is our friend, not our enemy. That is to say that the use of energy has produced so much good in society and with respect to our lifestyles, 
And we need to be having a positive view toward energy. Uh, there is no easy way out. There is no easy way that tomorrow we will solve all of the problems. We need to conserve. We need renewables. But we also need a strong program to develop and expand uh, conventional sources of, of, uh, of energy. Uh, however, at the same time, we need to recognize that our lifestyles cannot be sustained if we do not also sustain and expand the supply of energy uh, at least at a rate sufficient uh, to keep up with the market. I think that the bottom line is that it is really time for us to start, uh, shall we say, casting aside the rhetoric uh, that has driven, in my mind, energy policy in such uh, uh, inappropriate directions in some cases, and we need to move toward realistic policies. Wendell Cox, that'll have to be the last word. Thank you so much for joining us on Energy Tomorrow Radio. Thank you. Thank you for joining us on Energy Tomorrow Radio, brought to you by the people of America's oil and natural gas industry. For more information about this podcast or to submit questions for future shows, visit energytomorrow.org. That's energytomorrow.org. Lucky Land Casino, asking people, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car, before my kid's PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details.